0: Welcome to CII Radio. In this episode, we are speaking to Johnny Timpson, who will be talking to us about his role as disability champion for the insurance profession. In this episode of the podcast, we are joined by Johnny Timpson, who will be talking about his role as Disability Champion for the insurance profession. Johnny took this role over almost 12 months ago with a brief to improve access to insurance for people with disabilities and pre existing health conditions. In this role, he reports into the DWP Disabilities Minister and Secretary of State. To find out more about this podcast and for useful links, go to thejournal.cii.co.uk slash podcasts. Here is our conversation with Johnny. So many thanks uh, for joining us today, Johnny, to speak to CII Radio about your role as Disability Champion. I suppose the first question is what is the scope of the role? When were you appointed, and, and how long is this role for?
1: Let me tell you a story because I, for a number of years, I've been working with the Sculpt charity and Macmillan can support on improving... The need to improve consumer access to insurance for consumers with disabilities and pre-existing health conditions, and to some extent, you know, that gave rise to the uh, the, the subsequent FCA call for evidence into access, access to insurance and the piece of work that's happening now. That I suspect via the charity sector had been flagged to the DWP. The DWP two years ago decided that they wanted to get closer to various key sectors of the economy, and they appointed a number of champions in different sectors. First, I think they appointed. 12 initially last year they extended the program and they invited me to uh, to join it to represent the uh, our industry and, uh, and and profession but the role is much about what you make it there isn't a script there isn't a job job description the minister basically said Johnny we want you to improve access to insurance particularly travel uh, individual and workplace protection and health and equally contents insurance for people with health conditions Pre-existing conditions and, and disabilities. That, of course, driven by the the, the, the DWP and the minister ministerial team are, are always talking to the charity se- se- uh, sector and consumer groups. So that was driven really by the feedback that they had received. So she asked me, given the brief, to go away and come up with a plan, and uh, and that's exactly what I what I've done. So I've been in the role for twelve months. The role gets renewed every twelve months. Just literally on Monday of this week, uh, I I was with the minister. We'd made a a presentation at Lancaster House. Uh, so, I've, my role has just been renewed for an, another another 12 months. Oh,
0: congratulations.
1: So, I've now got, you know, having gone through the planning stage, pulled together my access to insurance working group, which is cross across the industry, across the profession, and, and uh, tying in key stakeholders. I now have 12 months to, having got the group, having got the plan, deliver it. And that's exactly what I'm embarking on now.
0: And how many people are in that group?
1: Well, I have, maybe i tell you about the group. Um, the group consists of I want. It was important that, that the change we make is change that, that can be made simply, without really regulation, without new law, without any great technological change. But the change has to be long-lasting. And to make it long-lasting, that means that we have to bring together professional bodies, trade bodies, and work with the charity sector and key consumer groups. And Because what I want to do in improving access has to basically be... be, be something we build on for the future and outlive uh, my position in, in, in this role. So let me tell you about the professional bodies. Of course, at the centre is the Chartered Insurance Institute. Uh, and, and thank you to the CII for, for really supporting me in this endeavour. Also we've got the Institute of Actuaries and recently the Royal College of Psychiatrists have joined as well because of course mental health is a big issue driving insurance claim. and So, so the, the, uh, the Royal College were quite keen to to work with us. Um, but if I look at the trade bodies, uh, we, of course we have the ABI, we have Biba, we have ILAC, which is the trade body for large insurance intermediaries, GRID, which is the trade body for the group risk sector,
0: okay.
1: the Protect Association, the Protection Distributors Group, uh, and uh, the Association of Financial Mutuals, and virtually every trade group that is in the protection, either, either individual and group space. Because in this role, I'm focusing very much on individual and group protection. That because the FCA and are working on travel and, and contents in, in other areas. And I'm aligning with them.
0: And is it like herding cats, or people being quite quite good coming together? Well,
1: I I take my hat off. I mean, I I mentioned the number of uh, professional bodies and trade groups. I've got seventy-five people uh, working with us. Uh, I should also say we have all the major charities that, are, that have an interest in, in improving access to insurance and the, the consumer groups as well, be it, be it Citizens Advice, Fair Finance, uh, the Financial Services Consumer Panel. So, uh, you know, we, we, we have representation for, I think, all the key, the key stakeholders we need. I've got 75 people in total working across five work streams, and I could not ask for a better group of people, a more committed group of, of people. I think it's fair to say this industry, we've got great people in this industry. We become brilliant when we collaborate for consumer good. We become absolutely fabulous when we, we work with charities and consumer groups to really make that consumer group good come to life and make a difference. So I think I'm confident that we're in a, in a good space.
0: Um, you talked about the work streams. You said there were five of them. Can you yeah. tell me what's what they are? Yeah, I
1: can. I mean, we've got improving, underwriting, trust and transparency. We have, at this minute in time, about an audience of about 44,000 financial advisors, be the uh, wealth, retirement, pension, mortgage and protection. 44,000. But if I look at how many of them are actually transacting individual and group protection business, on a regular basis, it's only four thousand. If I look at the number doing that on almost a daily basis, it's about fifteen hundred. So when I, you know, and, and you, if I, my biggest issue in improving access to insurance, first and foremost, I need to engage the forty thousand, the forty thousand financial advisors who are who have to some extent, deprioritise, move out of the protection space at this minute in time and get them back in. I mean, the, the FCA, in their own improving lives research, which is a colossal piece of research I'd advocate anybody reading, they divide society into seven segments. And the F, the regulator themselves have identified protection need in six of those seven segments. So we know that, the you know, the regulator, we know there is significant protection need out there, especially given the background of, of welfare reform and the change in shape of, of pensions and occupations occupational benefits. Um, So we know there's a a large pool of consumer need there, latent consumer demand. But we also know that the level of financial capability in the UK is not where we want it to be. So consumers don't really or don't readily identify that they have a protection need. And frankly, if we don't engage with them with with an appropriate financial advisor, that need is going to continue to be unmet. Okay. And that's to the detriment of the individual and society as a whole.
0: Uh-huh. And that, sorry, that was a, that was a, one of the work streams? That's, well,
1: it? one of the work streams is just, you know, so, so that we, when I speak to the 40,000, mm-hmm. the problem that they tell me is that, well, the underwriting process is too difficult takes too long. Um, the protection industry is only inter- interested in uh, in, uh, in insuring people who are on A1 health. But let me give you some stats in the public domain for my own company. In 2017, we had 76,000 people come you know, apply for insurance through our underwriting system. In 52,000 of those cases, people made a health disclosure. But you know what? 95% of them got an underwriting outcome, got cover. The vast majority got cover at ordinary rights. Our society is ageing. As underwriters, we know that our society is aging, our society is, it gets older, it' has, it's picking up health conditions. We know that uh, so we, you know, and that's factored into our, our, our risk management and our pricing. But underwriting has never been more in the UK has never been better than, than it is now. Uh, we are making fantastic use of underwriting engines and the vast majority of consumers who are applying for cover today will get covered today. So, uh, But we do have this latent pool of 40,000 advisors who, I think to some extent, need to re-engage. We need to recover their trust in the fact that we can underwrite people and we can do it very, very quickly and we can do it fairly. But we need to also earn the trust of charities, consumer groups, politicians and consumers because we have a huge number of consumers who think because I've got a health event, a health issue, or um, because I've got a certain lifestyle, I've read in the Daily Mail or the Daily Express that people like me can't get insurance. The truth of it is, they can. We need to engage with them. So the, this work stream of all about you know improving, underwriting, trust, and being transparent about what actually happens in the underwriting journey is absolutely key to addressing that that, that that, that gap that we have with the advisors not participating today and with those the various stakeholder groups and consumers that we need to bring on side. So that's one group. The other group is is um, having said that there are 40,000 advisors who are not participating and 4,000 who are. We, need, we have a huge demand. How do we address that demand right here, right now? Because we're not going to get those 40,000 advisors engaging tomorrow. We do that by signposting to the specialist advisors that we have in the industry right now and indeed we have never had a better set a more professional set of protection advisors than we have right here right now um, the, a lot of them sit within the a trade body called the protection distributors group but there there are others without that but they are well placed to uh, to address the needs of consumers across the uk so i guess one especially given the uh, where we are with idd and mifid 2 and the, you know, key to those pieces of regulation is do, uh, you know the the requirement to do the right thing for your customer. My ask of uh, of advisors is you know, if you if you if you're not engaging with protection today, don't walk past the consumer need. Signpost that consumer to one of these protection specialists. But to do that, we really do need to have an efficient signposting model. You know, we have one for uh, for pen- people seeking a pensions advisor or we, you know, Biba have one for people needing motor insurance mean needing travel insurance. We haven't really got a signposting model that works for people with either an individual or a group protection need. But the, And we've looked at in the signposting and distributor engagement uh, workstream, we've looked at a number of models, but we actually think the Biba one is pretty fit for purpose. So we're working with Biba right now to see can we make that work for individual and workplace protection so, so that the individual consumers, micro-businesses and SMEs, you know, if they do have a protection need, they can go somewhere and they can get directed quickly and efficiently to an appropriately qualified and experienced uh, financial advisor who can address their needs. So that work stream is all about getting that signposting model up and work working, getting all the um, stakeholders, be the charities, government departments, the, the single financial guidance body and others engaged and using that same posting model. But at the same time, the other Part, uh, key uh, ask of that that workstream is engage the 40,000 advisors who are not participating now and either bring them back into protection or work encourage collaborative working between them and specialist advisors. So that's the point, that's the direction of travel for that, that workstream. The other workstream I have is workplace protection. And uh, so that's, you know, we, we really don't have you know, uh, an access problem for people with disabilities and health conditions when it comes to insurance in the workplace because there's no inf- front underwriting. Problem we have is that we have a vast number of SMEs and micro-businesses who, apart from sort of auto-enroll pensions, there is no workplace life critical illness or income protection coverage in place. And a lot of instances, that's simply because no one's spoken to them about group risk. We need to find a mechanism where, and, you know, government, you know, BES and DWP are making this ask of us engage uh, those micro businesses and SMEs talk to them about making particularly workplace income protection available to their employees. I mean there's some work going you know, on in the background now between the ABI and BES about uh, production of a workplace statement that empl- employees would get that tells them if they are long term sick absence what benefits they're going to get in the workplace.
0: Sorry what is BES?
1: That's the Department of Business Energy and Industrial Strategy was set up by the Prime Minister when she came to office. So they, you know, that that, that government department are looking at, you know, can we do more to encourage people to uh, uh, to be aware of the workplace provision that's there, or equally not there. And um, obviously the ABI have just launched Percy, which is a, a little tool that consumers can go into, and it tells them exactly what their entitlement to state benefits are. The thinking is, if you know what your workplace benefits are, or more importantly, are not, if you know what your state benefit entitlement is, you can then quickly realise, I have a gap. How do I address that need? Can I address it by buying benefits in the workplace? Or do I need to buy individual benefits? And if you do need individual benefits, this is where our signposting model comes back in. You can use the signposting tool to get the appropriate advice. So in addition to that, we obviously have the professional development uh, uh, work stream, which is led by the CII. Uh, Obviously, we've just launched, the CII have kindly just launched an individual protection qualification, which I thank them for because it was long needed. But it's much more than that. You know, it's... We uh, that qualification is there to uh, to help demonstrate to consumers that they are dealing with someone who's got the appropriate skills to uh, to address their protection need. In having that qualification there, it helps us raise the professionalism, the profile of, um, uh, of, of of protection. But we're doing some other work within that work stream as well because we're working with Scope, uh, the Scope charity, to develop a joint Scope and CII guide to uh, helping firms in the insurance sector uh, support in their employees with mental health issues. And we, if we do that, what we want to do is to, uh, if, if the company, the, that small insurance firm is better supporting their own employees, more aware of the the mental health issues that that employee has, do you know what? They become more aware of the issues their customers have. So there's greater benefit. And we also want to work with that network stream with the Department of Working Pensions and uh, have practitioners in the industry and firms sign up for and join, and even advocate the DWP Disability Confident Programme. You know, we we talk about inclusion and diversity in our our industry. It's much more than just a gender issue, it's an age issue, it's an ethnicity issue. But equally, we need to employ far more people with disabilities seen and unseen in our industry than we do now, and that's exactly what the Disability Confident Programme is all about. Helping employees, sorry, helping employers in our industry and profession, access disabled talent, and make appropriate workplace adjustments and fund those adjustments to help bring those people into our industry. That in itself should enable us to present a more inclusive, I guess, face, if you like. To and profile to consumers and I think that's only for the uh, for the greater good so I'm quite keen to encourage that and then, of course the other work stream we have is our charity and consumer reference group it's probably wrong for me to describe as a, a, a work stream but we have the charities and consumer groups They're all members of the individual work streams, but we wanted to have them as a a reference group. And indeed, I have to say, for the longer term benefit of the industry as a whole, because it's fair to say, if I look at general insurance and I look at life and pensions and investments, we've not been as great at engaging with charities and consumer groups as we might have been. And that in itself is one of the factors that drives the trust gap, if you like. So how do we address that? We work with them and and we we engage with them not just every now and then but on an ongoing basis. So I wanted to establish the uh, the charting consumer reference group and have this as a group that you know will continue, long beyond beyond the work that I'm doing now. And it gives uh, either professional bodies, trade bodies, individual firms. Either be the life offices or be the advisory firms, the ability to access an appropriate charity, go talk to them about what you're doing, what you're planning to do, get their view, get their input, and help let them help you shape uh, a better proposition that's going to deliver great outcomes for your uh, for your clients. Uh, and within that that as I say, within that that uh, uh, that what that, that reference group, we have uh, the most prominent charities in the, in the in the UK: Macmillan, Scope. HUK, UK, Money and Mental Health, National AIDS Trust, Mental Health UK, the Huntington's Disease Association and many more. All charities that are very keen to actively work with us to make a difference. And if they're prepared to do that, great. I think we should bite their arm, their arm off.
0: That sounds like uh, a lot of fantastic work. So I have to ask this. Obviously, must take up a lot of time. So, um, why did you take the role? And you know, what's the time commitment? Because you've you've got a day job as well, haven't you?
1: Yeah. Well, I I have got a day job, and obviously I'm I'm doing some work with you know with the CII. I'll come into that in a second. So, why did I take the role? Well, as I sit here, I'm I'm the son of a disabled mother. I'm the, I'm the the brother of a sister who who has a, a long term and degenerative uh, condition. And I'm the father of a child with a mental health issue. So, you know. I want to make sure that uh, my sister is well served by our industry. I want to make sure that my son is well served by our industry. I want to make sure that there are, you know, there are no barriers to my son having a great career. In our industry and profession. And the best way to do that, do you know what, is to do this, is to do something about it. But for a long time, I mean, I've i that mentioned, I've been working with Scope and Macmillan, but I've been working with a number of charities and consumer groups across, um, um, you know, the last 40 years of, of, of my career. So I've seen the, 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 the financial hardship that all too often goes with long-term health conditions and disabilities. And I want to do something about it. That, at the end of the day, the social purpose of insurance is to be there at moments that matter, in places that matter, and help people deal with financial crisis. Financial crisis that, in the life and protection sector, has resulted from a death uh, or life-changing medical diagnosis. That's why I wanted to take it. How long does it take? Well, in th- how, much time, how much time does it take? In theory, it should take maybe a day a week. In reality, it takes many days and many nights and into working weekends. But you know what? It's worth it. Uh, yeah, for me, this is great personal development. I enjoy doing it. And it's it's almost... It, it, a, lot, a lot of things I'm doing are almost integrated with my day job. I would be doing these things anyway. You know, If I if wasn't doing this role, I'd still be talking to Macmillan. I'd still be talking to the National AIDS Trust. So it's, um, it's a bit of a... It's very closely aligned with, uh, with what I do. And I guess the other question that people may be asking is, well, how much do you get paid? Nothing. right? And neither do either any of the 75 people and counting that are working with me uh, across my, my work groups. We're all doing this because we believe it's the right thing to do for our industry and profession, particularly right now in these times of uncertainty.
0: And what areas uh, of insurance are you focused on and uh, what are you doing in the role?
1: Well, as I mentioned, I'm focused on individual and workplace protection and health insurances. That's basically because there's work already going on regarding travel uh, with uh, with the fca and uh, and i'm you know i've got members of my work streams very working closely with the fca on the travel piece night for example graham Trugo uh, Bieber is very close to that you know fiona mccray at tiff is, is you know travel insurance is what she does they are the experts there's not much point in me tripping you know going up to enjoying that activity as someone who's not any expertise in that area. However, in saying that, though, I am working closely with uh, you know with Graham and, and Fiona, and so I you know they, they are uh, they're, they're keeping up to date with what's going on, and equally they're involved with what I'm doing too. And everything that I'm doing, I I'm reporting and updating the Disabilities Minister on a monthly basis, and equally uh, the Insurance Conduct Team, the Treasury too. So I'm in a position where uh, not only am I ticking the asks of the DWP out to our industry, I'm also taking what our industry is doing back in to, to DWP and to Treasury. So every time um, uh, an insurance provider in the UK uh, makes, an, uh, makes an improvement to their proposition that makes it more accessible to people with pre-existing health conditions and disabilities, I'm feeding that in. Yes,
0: yeah, so you're creating that whole sur- Absolutely. That circle. Absolutely. And equally,
1: in doing that, in a, but obviously we've got the, char- the main charities working with us too, so they know exactly what's happening too. So... You're right, it's a feedback circle. You know, we're starting to, t- to the thing that we don't do enough of is talk about, shout about, demonstrate the great work that takes place in that industry. It doesn't matter if it's a specialist protection advisor or it's a life office or it's a reinsurer. You know, we need to tell our story. And, and uh, this is, you know, I, I want to play my part in uh, in doing that, in delivering that message and, and making, a, you know, making a difference in terms of the perception that government, government departments charities have of us because we need to woo to bring those guys back on side.
0: I mean, you talked a lot about how you engage with professional bodies, trade bodies, and other sort of stakeholders. What would you say have been sort of the key successes to date for you over the last 12 months? What have you been most proud of?
1: Gina, it's funny you say that because that was exactly the question the minister asked me at Lancaster House the other day. I think the, the for me, the thing I'm most proud of is the fact that uh, I've actually been able to bring three professional bodies, all of the trade bodies in, in the protection, individual and group protection space together, and bring them together with... The major distributors in, in, in that sector, as well as the charities and, and the consumer groups, and it's great to see them all working with each other in work streams and uh, and starting to make a make a difference. As I alluded to, you know, at the start of this interview, the changes we need to make are actually quite small. Um, you know the we're not we're not looking for we don't need regulatory change we don't need new law i guess to some extent you know the with the senior manager regime which is already applying to uh, people who work for insurance companies like me but you know will shortly be rolled out to uh, to intermediaries if we know what the right thing to do is we should just get on and do it and it's great you know this 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 uh, these, this, this piece of work these work streams give me uh, uh, you know the canvas to uh, I say, give me—it's more than me. Give us as a collective the canvas on which to which to do that.
0: Perfect. So obviously, it's a lot of information, fantastic information here. Of all the all the great work that you're doing. To our sort of listeners out there, you know, how can they sort of get involved, maybe with the work that you're doing, or keep up to date with, uh, you know, uh, what's going on, the successes? Yeah.
1: Well, um, I mean, the other things I'm, I'm involved with them. Obviously, I'm I'm, a, I'm um, the kind of protection uh, expert advisor to ensuring women's futures. Uh, I'm also in one of the ensuring women's futures work streams, and I'm, I'm hugely. surprised Of um, of that piece of work, and of course, insurance women futures is all about improving access to insurance and access to careers in insurance too. So, I mean, I see uh, uh, insurance women futures as being just part of what I do here, part of this piece of work. Um, So, uh, please, I mean, uh, um, the the CII, the insurance women's futures team, are looking to engage the, the industry, engage the profession. We're looking to grow the number of ambassadors we have please sign up for the Ambassador Programme. I'm also working with um, the CII and Alzheimer Society on Insurance United Against Dementia. Ken, that piece of work has been centred so far in the London market and with uh, general insurance brokers. You might ask of everyone in PFS, everyone who's working in the life and pensions market, is we need to engage with Insurance United Against Dementia, particularly if you're involved in retirement planning or later life planning. We know that as you know, you listen to this podcast right now. In excess of eight hundred and fifty thousand people are living with dementia right now, and that has a dis- devastating impact on their physical, mental, financial, social, and family life. We're in a position to make a difference by making sure that, that those when we are engage in pension planning and retirement planning we are talking about the importance of wills we are talking about the importance of lasting power of attorney we are having these conversations what if because the what- if of dementia is a very real issue for one in 12 families in later life and that's that that number is only going to grow in actual fight so uh, you know as far as I'm concerned I mean I, you know, I I'm a little be honest with you as someone who who works in the, the the life insurance sector I'm rather embarrassed if I'm being quite blunt, that the life and pension sector has not engaged with Insurance United Against Dementia to anything like the extent we should. As I mentioned, London Markets colleagues, general insurance colleagues have made the running. We need to catch up and catch up quickly because Insurance United Against Dementia should be at the very heart of everything that our retirement planner, our little life planner is doing. Keep up to date with me. Please keep up. You know, I'm on LinkedIn. Go link up because I'm blogging about this material all the time, tweeting about it all the time. And uh, if you are following the CII on Twitter, I have to say, take my hat off to the CII digital team because they uh, uh, they, they, are retweeting everything I, I do. And I thank them for that. Thank you, Tim.
0: Tim in the room there with this um, and also you mentioned these uh, two organisations but um, or initiatives but Insuring Women's Futures has its own website so people can just uh, put that into Google and the same with Insurance United Against Dementia they've got their own site haven't they so people can go on there absolutely. and find out thank you so much for joining us today Johnny um, your passion for this really comes through um, and your commitment on top of your day job so um, I think you're absolutely amazing and, and uh, thank you for the oh, work no, that you do well not at
1: all I mean, I'm, I'm proud to be a member of this industry and profession I'm a second generation insurance man, insurance person. Uh, But all I'm doing is basically, you know, delivering on the CII's charter. You know, we're all as part of this this great professional body charged with uh, uh, continuing to work to improve the trust of consumers and business in insurance. And that's no more, no less than what I'm about, if I'm being quite honest.
0: Thank you so much. Um, So, thanks uh, again to our listeners as well for joining us today for this episode of CII Radio. To find out more, you can visit the journal.cii.co.uk slash podcast or find us on Twitter at CII Group. Until next time, thank you for listening to CII Radio.